1955, Fanon published this really fantastic essay, West Indians and Africans. I think it's actually an underread essay. I don't know that it's really talked about very often, but to me, it's one of the more interesting pieces. It's one of the more interesting pieces because uh, it gives, I think it has some very important critiques of uh, M. A. Césaire, which we'll have a chance to revisit uh, when we talk about Césaire's uh, culture and colonization essay. But also it's following up on Black Skin, White Masks just three years later to talk about some of the very same themes. It also gives something like what I would call a sociological uh, historical backdrop to the surge in independence sensibilities and movements and energy in the uh, 1950s. <clears throat> and I want to start with that because I think that actually helps us understand a really important transition in Fanon's work between Black Skin, White Masks and The Wretched of the Earth. Now, we're not going to talk about Wretched of the Earth in this particular class, but I think it's worth referencing because the first chapter of The Wretched of the Earth is about the necessity of purposeful, directed political violence. And I've always thought that that necessity of political violence is important for Fanon because it's where Fanon really makes the case that, uh, that in order to be seen, as independent, to be able to, to be seen as not worthy of recognition on the colonizer's terms, but worthy of recognition on some new set of terms, really comes from that action of political violence. And the way it has to come in terms of a new measure, an unprecedented measure, is for me the continuity point, if we can establish it, with black skin, white masks because Black Skin, White Masks has, in that um, seventh chapter, an explicit critique of any notion of recognition that would put uh, white France or European ideas of humanism as the center. For him, of course, in that chapter, uh, any recognition that comes on the colonizer's terms just reifies the basic structure of colonialism and the fate it casts for... Um, for uh, black colonized people, which is the destiny to be white and then never able to actually fulfill that destiny, a kind of perpetual disappointment, a perpetual anxiety, and a perpetual impossibility. So if there's that problem of recognition in the seventh chapter, and we wonder sort of what comes next, right? How do you wrestle free of, of the domination of white ideas, white Europe's uh, ideas of human and the humanism that functions as a measure for anything like recognition? How do you get from that to this moment of political violence in which what he comes to call at the end of that book and also uh, alludes to in Black Skin, White Mask, a new humanism? Right. How does political violence get us there? How is that related to the question of recognition? Well, I think there are two really important uh, phases of the West Indians and Africans essay that helps us get some clarity. The first is what uh, his discussion of what it meant in Martinique and in the colonies generally, I think he means, that, um, that France was defeated so quickly by the Germans. And what that does is expose the weakness of the French state, the French military, also just broadly French authority. I think there's a psychoanalytic dimension here too 
sort of percolating below the surface and it's worth saying or at least speculating out loud about, which is, you know, of course, the colonizer in its missionary role, which it had played, you know, for, for a century uh, after the abolition of, of slavery in the French Empire, the missionary dimension of colonialism positions the colonizer as the benevolent father who then takes care of and and helps educate and build the character and the institutions of those living in the colonies. That patriarchal, paternalistic, missionary vision of colonialism is really important because it all rests on the authority of the father. That authority of the father or the authority of the colonizer comes really from, as much as anything, reputation and assumption, assumptions of superiority, right? Reputation for, you know, intelligence, wisdom, being culturally or civilizationally advanced and all of these sort of, um, uh, you know, what would you call it, like a self-inflating uh, fantasies. But the defeat of France at the hands of the Germans in such a short time and in such humiliating fashion is for Fanon not kind of schadenfreude, like, ha-ha, this happened to you, right? It is deeper, and he even calls it, you know, a metaphysical event, right? It changes the nature of reality for the colonized. They see that the benevolent, powerful father is actually weak and vulnerable. And then, of course, the, the Vichy government, which is the, the government under uh, Nazi occupation and its complicity with the Germans, shows the fundamental moral corruption and political corruption of the state of France. And so this becomes a, a really important opening for a confrontation with the colonizer. That's paired in this essay as it was in, uh, as, as we also saw in Black Skin, White Masks, a reckoning with Césaire's work and Negritude. We'll get into Negritude uh, next week uh, with some pieces, and, and it's a really important movement. But what it did, you know, what's, what's important to know here is what it did is posit a, a rigid and robust black identity rooted in the African continent and in African civilization. And when, it, it, when you have a civilization and an identity and a sense of blackness rooted in Africa, right? It's, they call it negritude, but it is a way of saying, you know, you come from somewhere. You, are, you have not always been colonial subjects. You come from a place that has its own aesthetics, its own epistemology, its own sense of being and the divine and traditions of all sorts from cuisine to, to material culture to religion. And so what Césaire does is sort of play this second pillar uh, uh, by building up this, this confidence, for lack of a better way of putting it, sort of confidence to assert one's blackness in the colonies. And when you couple that, right, if you pair that, when that's paired with a sense that the colonial father, France, is actually weak and vulnerable and morally corrupt, you have the stage then for what Fanon advocates in Black in a Wretched of the Earth, which is a confrontation, a violent confrontation with the colonizer in order to demand a different kind of relationship. What gives boldness in that moment? Right? The boldness to take on the colonizer with violence in hopes for something else to emerge. That becomes possible in the moment that you understand or believe the weakness 
of your opponent. And so the exposure of France and its defeat by Germany is a really important informative moment, but one also has to understand oneself or one's group, right? In this case, a racial demographic, a racial group, as uh, a national group in terms of the Francophone Caribbean, as capable of existing outside the colonizer's gaze. And one of the things that's so difficult about black skin, white masks, but so important, is his exploration of the internalization of the white gaze and the, the internalizing of, of, in that sense, a self-loathing and self-doubt among colonized people. Césaire helps boost that with negritude, right? Changing that sense of self-worth and self-value while also uh, ha taking place right in the 1940s in a moment where the colonial world is reckoning with the weakness and moral corruption of, in this case, France and its uh, authority. So with weakened authority and a deeper sense of self and self-worth, that kind of confrontation that he advocates for in the first chapter of The Wretched of the Earth, violent, purposeful, political confrontation, I think becomes uh, a natural outgrowth rather than uh, you know, an add-on or a, a sudden shift in theory. I think it, it allows for a sense of continuity. So I think the essay is important that way, that he gives a little bit of cultural history, a little bit of social history that helps explain the percolation of revolutionary sentiments in the colonies. To the title, I think it's really important that we draw from his description of the encounter between West Indians and Africans, we draw out of that some of our contemporary vocabulary around race and ethnicity, that really what Fanon is describing in that bit, right, in, in this essay and in those elements of the essay that talk about the differences between West Indians and Africans, the way West Indians thought of themselves as closer to France and therefore superior to Africans. And what did that mean when they met on the battlefield or in training as fellow black soldiers in segregated units? What did that mean for there to be this sense of superiority and inferiority built into this, what we would say racially is an all black space? Fanon's very critical of that because of course he's, he's not any, anywhere near endorsing these kinds of sentiments about Africans. But he rather, I think, uses that to draw our attention to or get us thinking about the difference between West Indians and Africans as indicative not just of, you know, cultural, uh, a, a slight cultural difference, but a real deep identi identity difference. That is New World black people, right? West Indians, Afro-Caribbeans, build their own culture, right? Struggle. Uh, on whether it's the plantation or its aftermath, struggle for senses of collective identity and cultural formation because there is no prior sense of culture, right? That everything cultural about the Caribbean arises out of new world experience. Whatever traces or elements, you know, uh, uh, you know, an, uh, you know an, uh, an anthropologist or some some you know cultural theorist might find any continuities one might find with Africa. In the end, the Caribbean is a new world. It's, it's built on its own terms, right? So there is this difference then that is important and that Fanon is picking up on and expanding and playing with in this essay, which is that Africans have a very different relationship to colonial rule. 
Their experience of colonial rule is of the suppression of pre-colonial cultural forms. Fanon will never be nostalgic for those when he starts to write about and from Algeria and start to talk about sub-Saharan African uh, political struggles for independence. He never goes back to a pre-colonial culture as a kind of paradise or even an aspiration for uh, political movements and cultural theory and, and cultural production. He's always obsessed with the new. But here in West Indians and Africans, it's not about what is the future hold and how do we orient ourselves towards the future. He is rather just simply noting the really significant differences between West Indians and Africans. And in noting that difference, again, it's not simply to note that there is a difference. It's rather to ask a question that we could pose in more contemporary terms about the relationship between racial classification and ethnicity. Racial classification is a broad umbrella that may or may not bind the people under that umbrella with cultural similarities. So black, right, or what he calls, you know, in this era, the Negro, right, this racial grouping doesn't have any content inherent in it, right? And the difference between West Indians and Africans is sort of evidence of that, that West Indians and Africans don't share like real deep cultural characteristics. In fact, they are alien to one another linguistically outside of the French language, but also just historically and experientially in terms of their, their collectivity, their family structures, their, you know, their, their um, material culture and so forth. And that difference, I think, for Fanon is a way of dismantling. And this is maybe where uh, I would push interpretation, um, but very uh, strongly and confidently that I think what Fanon is saying here is that ethnic difference, what we would call ethnic difference, you know, the difference between African-Americans and Haitians and, uh, you know, Jamaicans and uh, you know, people from Barbados or from Guinea or from Congo or from South Africa, all of these differences, you know, you can say, well, in the end, these are all racially the same. But I think Fanon's really trying to expose here the, the fabrication and the illusory nature of race, right, of this idea of black or of the Negro, to, to expose it as a complete illusion. And that what we really mean by that is what we would now call ethnicity. And that ethnicity is what really draws people together and gets people to understand their own relationship to one another and relationships to history. And we see that in the, his description of how the West Indians uh, and Africans realize that they don't share history. And they don't. That's just a fact. That to uh, be generationally of the continent and generationally of the archipelago is to be of completely different histories and cultures. For Fanon, I do think, for Fanon, this is, this is where real identity and its potential for action, its potential for world-making is located, is in those ethnic differences. And those ethnic differences are so strong that I think that the, the notion of race ceases to even function in any significant way, if at all, in his work. That's why in The Wretched of the Earth, he's not actually concerned with black liberation. He's concerned with liberation of colonized people of the global south. 
that's a completely different orientation than an orientation towards liberation of black people in terms of their black identity. I think when he concludes the essay, and I want to read this, um, when, when he concludes this, he makes the distinction between race and ethnicity clear in the sense that he shows how, how much we both can and ought to dispose of the idea of race, the idea of blackness, the idea of the Negro. He says here uh, at the very end, he says, in a notebook of a return to the native land, there is an African period for on page 49 of whatever edition he's reading, we read, and this is a quote from Césaire, by dint of thinking of the Congo, I have become Congo, humming with rivers and forests. It's the end of that quote. Fanon embellishes this with a comment. Then, with his eyes on Africa, the West Indian was to hail it. This is negritude, right? A, a vision, a looking back toward Africa, hailing it, right? Put your eyes on Africa, become African again. This is the negritude movement. And he says, Fanon says, he discovered himself to be tra a transplanted son of slaves. This is one of Fanon's very rare mentions of slavery. He felt the vibration of Africa in the very depth of his body and aspired only to that one thing, to plunge into the great black hole. Now, if we were to leave it at that, it would sound like Fanon is endorsing negritude and talking there about the necessity of a relationship, uh, not just a relationship to Africa, but an essential rooting of one's own sense of individual and collective identity in the continent of Africa. But, he says, it thus seems that the West Indian, and this is the last sentence, that the West Indian, after the great white error, right, that's the colonial rule, right, and the, the, the myth that one is inferior to white people, after the great white error, is now living in the great black mirage. That is that, mo that moment when he says the great black mirage, that's where Fanon is uh, uh, giving his ultimate statement, and it's always his final verdict on negritude, which is that it's a mirage. It seems to promise what we need after we throw off the vision of ourselves as colonized people that comes from the colonizer, right? And the reactive formulation is to look to Africa and say, let us affirm our Africanness and make that our identity. But he says, that's our mirage. And the way the essay ends was saying that the old version of let's try to be like white people is dead, right? That's an error, and we've dispensed with that. And it's easy to dispense with because of the, the exposure of the, the corruption and weakness of the father state called the, coloni the colonizer. Once you dismiss that, and then you also dismiss the turn to Africa, what are you left with? I think what we're left with, and this is where I'll, I'll, I'll conclude, what we are left with is a different sense of the zone of non-being. That the zone of non-being in black skin, white masks describe the sociological status, right? The social status of black people in this zone of non-being, right? Not being really a part of the world. But I think there's this different sense of, of nothingness or non-being that concludes West Indians and Africans. That's a placing of oneself in the zone of non-being. It's like, I'm not African, but I'm also not white, what white people have tried to make me. 
I am rather a question. Who and what am I? I have no content to that. But I think placing oneself, or as a writer trying to place other black people, in that space of non-being that you have fashioned for yourself, that you have made from yourself by the refusal of Africa, by the refusal of Europe, that turn back to the self is then the most honest and transparent place to ask the real question, who and what are we? Who and what am I, Franz Fanon? Who and what are we, Afro-Caribbeans, after the end of colonialism and after nostalgia for Africa? Thank you.